here again, 12 rows back. It's two witty and insightful blokes with a insightful take on our great game. We've done it. We've reached the final game of the year. The grand final is locked in. We're going to see the Melbourne Demons play the Western Bulldogs. An unbelievable result for both of the clubs there and just a prelim week that we can't wait to sink our teeth into. Seb, how are you, how are you travelling? Oh, it's a great, it's a great week to have a great week, Tom. Uh, two interesting prelims. I thought they were going to be ripping contests coming into it, and we ended up with some fizzes, which I did a little bit of research on and found out it is much more common than not that the the prelims are fizzes. Uh, but we've got the NFL back, so there's something else to sink your teeth into if your team hasn't gone so well this year. Yeah, well, fair uh, call that one. I did see actually a stat as well. Um, if you take the combined margin, it was actually the the biggest margin of prelim week we've ever seen. So yeah, um, right. I think it broke the record from '95, which had a couple of shockers. So <laughs> we didn't get the thriller we were after, but you know, a couple of great stories out of the out of those games. It feels like we got the two best teams in it. Yeah, which feels strange to say, but looking looking back, you, it's hard to argue. You know, sixteen, I think, of the twenty three rounds, these teams were one and two. So that that's pretty rare. Uh, that that many weeks uh, on top for two sides. Yeah, and uh, I'll put my hand up and say I thought one side was going to slip all year, and they haven't. Uh, so hats off to them. The D's, they uh, they'd be your favourites. I haven't haven't uh, delved into odds or anything like that, but given their, I guess just given Max Gorn himself and his yeah. ability to carry them, you'd have to have them as favourites going into this game, but. Uh, a week's a long time in football, and we've got two weeks, given uh, yeah, we have to have a bye. Uh, I can't understand this one, but let's let's wait an extra week and wait for, um, you know, who knows what could happen. Ma- imagine, I don't want to jinx it, but just imagine if, if something crept into Western Australia and they had to shut things down for the grand final because they waited a week. Wouldn't yeah. that be interesting? It'd be chaos. Oh, I'd, I'd hope it'd scare them off byes for, li- for a lifetime, but... Look, it was awesome seeing those two games with a packed house. And yeah, it was uh, on Friday night. It was it was pretty much a D support there. You'd you'd have to say in that game, the the Western Australian crowd right behind the D's. Whether or not there's a lot of Western Australian D's fans or uh, just the support of the neutrals, it um, the place was rocking. And of course, yeah, thanks to Big Max. Um, have we ever seen a ruckman, let alone have that kind of game, but have that kind of game in a final? Well, Mason Cox, not I guess he's not a ruckman, but he's a big fella. Um, it, the person who my mind went to having that sort of ability is actually Corey McKernan. He, I've seen him have games where he's kicking them from everywhere, juking them, kicking goals and going in through the ruck. So um, I can't recall him doing it in a final, but I'd have to go back and check the books. I don't think a lot of finals... Uh, yeah. A lot of ruckmen have that ability, full stop. I was going to say, I mean, McKernan's actually a really good example. The one I was thinking of was Paul Salmon. He he could uh, kick a bag or two, but I don't know if he did it in September, but it, it was unbelievable. And, I mean, his whole game was fantastic, but it was that, that, that burst at the start of the third quarter. That that was 10 minutes of probably the best footy he's, at, well, he's played ever in his life, Max. So, <laughs> I guess... I mean, I was going to say the challenge is for him to, you know, replicate it in the granny. I mean, even if he has half of that, that's still, what, 
two or three goals in a granny, that, that probably gets the D's over the line. So uh, he, he was massive. And then Saturday night, I was uh, just offline having a few, uh, you know, chats around the uh, the grapevine, but this was probably one of the more stunning prelims probably since that 2018 prelim you mentioned before with Mason. I, I genuinely couldn't see the dogs uh, saluting in that one, and they, they did it with ease. Yeah, I just, I think given everything the dogs have gone through, you just expected them to fall off, and it was deja vu like 2016. I mean, 2016 they went to Perth and then had to come back and then they went up to Sydney and then played the grand final here in Melbourne, obviously. And each week in 2016 you just thought, oh, yeah, they've had a good run, but this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough travelling to Perth. And then, oh, yeah, oh, that's all right. But then they played, who did they play week two? Uh, the Hawks. Was it Hawthorne? Yeah. And you thought, yeah, probably probably not with the Hawks experience. Well, that was probably the softest top four side almost in history. Maybe Hawks twenty eighteen might be knocking on that one. Yeah, I was gonna say the ruse of 07. Um <laughs> and then but they just kept going and then they scraped over the line against the Giants and you still thought they didn't have it and they won the flag. So um I'd be wary these fans. It looks a lot like history might be repeating itself. Yeah, what repeat of the what the nineteen fifty four granny. I think uh, the dogs in that one, uh, some of the stats coming up, they kick six in the first. So if they get anywhere near that, they're going to uh, give it a shake. But um, look, we, we've delved into what caught our eye, but let, let's let's go a deep dive into into the game. So Friday night's game, um, just unbelievable in, in its one-sided nature. I know uh, we had the stunningly successful halftime show that really got a lot of attention, uh, more so probably our beards and the footy we were talking about, but that's all good. It's a visual medium, and we're usually on uh, on the airways. So um, half-time, the game was still up for grabs. You thought if the Cats could just, just nail a couple of early ones, it would put the pressure on the Ds and, and they'd be able to fight back. But, yeah, like we said, that, that burst just blew the game to shreds and there was no looking back. They never looked settled, the Cats. They just never looked settled. They scraped. They got the first goal, and then Melbourne went bang, bang, bang. And you just—you would have thought if one of the sides was going to be unsettled, it was the team playing in their first preliminary final, not the team playing in their twelfth in eighteen years or whatever the stupid stat people keep banding about, as though all the players from the first few prelims are still on the list. Yeah, there's a bit of that going on at the moment. I know. Just a little tangent here. You know that smashing where the D's lost by 180 keeps getting mentioned. Nathan Jones was the only one on the list at the time. It's unrelated to the current group. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, to give a good example of that, people keep asking Ben Rutten about the the final, the drought, right in the lead-up to that game and afterwards, I think, and he just went, yeah, we've got 16 flags too. And it's sort of like... <laughs> it's in that pretty quick, I remember. But it's it's... Like, what relevance does the drought have to this playing group? It's the same relevance as having 16 flags. It has no relevance to the current playing group. They haven't won one. And they haven't lost a final for six. Like, it just is, there's no relevance in it. So it's the same year. Like, there's no relevance to all of that to Melbourne. It will more be the nerves of, all right, last time we were in a prelim, we got spanked. How are we going to make it not happen again? And here we are against, like, a bit of a powerhouse and in constant success without the ultimate goal i guess over the last 10 years didn't look like that it looked the other way around it looked like melbourne with the season hardened team and uh and the cats were just 
were, were all at sea and and they needed an injection or something the cats they just yeah it was it, it was, was just nothing there i know it was it was that midfield wasn't it i mean you know Petraka and and oliver and, and viney had the game of his life too let's not put that uh, to the side they they just couldn't go with him in the mid and when you've got max who was shoveling it out but not just max um you know jackson as well had he had an, an underrated game given you know the shadow max cast he basically rucked that last quarter solo because they were just sort of easing Max through, um, particularly very, very late. So um, they just had no answers in the middle. And geez, it put that uh, back line minus Stewart under enormous stress. And they, they just didn't cope. I think Benny Brown's got himself into a bit of com- a bit of, a bit of confidence after that one. He, he just had room to just run and jump, which is his bread and butter, as I'm sure you've seen, Seb. And... Yeah, just they just made the cats' defence look ordinary, and a couple of them didn't have kicks for almost a whole half. So it was <laughs> that, that's the classic one. It falls apart somewhere, somewhere, and it just had ripples all over the ground. So um, they just didn't have the answers, did they? The cats. I mean, I saw a bit of press about you know they looked old and slow. I mean, do you subscribe to that in terms uh, of pace? Oh, well, yes, but they've looked old and slow all year. And they still won what sixteen games to get through and and play in a preliminary final. It was, I guess, I, this is what frustrates me about the cats. And all right, it's not really the cats actually; it's more how the cats are portrayed. But they decided to go all in and get Jeremy Cameron, and, and like I said, they pushed all their chips in the middle of the table, and they've gone hard at Cameron. Three first round picks. They don't care. They've got the one of the best forwards in the game. It was very quiet mind you, hard to be up and about when the midfield's getting smashed. What I find fascinating is they come into it and week one they get smashed. And then it's oh they've got a terrible record first up in the preliminary finals. It wasn't meant in the in the first week of the finals. It wasn't mentioned prior to the game, right? Then they come out and they win in week two. And so in so in the semi final. So we're coming into the preliminary finals. We're talking about how great this Cats team is. And now we're saying they look old and, and need some pace. But they've looked like that all year. So make up your mind. Like, like, what did you believe about this Cats team? Every opinion on them is just based on what happened the week before. And because that's the last game they play, the narrative for the next few months will be they look old and slow. It was like that all year. Uh, and I can't... I'm yet to find someone who thinks at any point of the year they looked young and quick. Like, that, that, that was never said about them. So... Too old and too slow. That was always going to be the risk when you go all in and then you bring in Isaac Smith, got some pace but old. Higgins, losing pace and old. Um, and who, was it Cameron? Was there someone else they brought in? Uh, no, they had Cameron, but, I mean, oh, how long have you got to list the, the other 30-year-olds they've got? Um, I mean, they added Josh Jenkins. He, he's sort of been a non-factor, but... Um, Look, we we have talked on this show though. They really never got out of second gear all year. So look, that that probably does prove your point in that they yeah they were probably old and slow and just going, but you know banking the wind. So they got to where they were going. Um, question without notice. I mean, do you think they could do with the three top end picks and not Cameron? No, because every one of those picks you're trying to draft a player like Jeremy Cameron. Yeah, that's fair. Bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, my friend. Do you think, in terms of the recruiting, though, I mean, they've got a proven record of great recruiting in that they haven't had the picks, but they're still, I mean, 
they bring, I guess, bringing in some sort of talent. I mean, I guess the jury is out, I guess, on their on their youngsters. But I mean, they have been able to find players, um, you know, that aren't the the top end free agents. I'm talking the depth players. I mean, do you think now's the time to back in their actually their ability to recruit and go that top end of the draft because the geez, they could they could hit it big if they've got the success down in those lower picks. Why not give it a crack in that that top end? I think one well, thing. Well, who I've who were the best players for Melbourne in this game? Yeah, Petraka, Oliver. Gorn. What pick? Like high? That they're both high picks. Max Gorn, second round pick. Uh, Viney had his best game, I think, that I can remember. He went twenty six. Father son. Um, Salem was good. What was he? Yeah, pick he, nine. Like Rachel, pick three. These are high picks. Who have the cats... Like, they got Selwood, who dropped to, what, seven? Seven, yeah. Um, Danger would have been a high pick. They had to bring him in. Cameron was a high pick. They had to bring him in. I mean, it's getting access to those guys and giving up one pick, and the cats haven't had it, and they're going to have to find a way to really try and do it. And how do they do it? I think they actually... This is what I would do. I'd reload again. But I'd keep all my draft picks. I wouldn't give up anything, but I'd be trying to convince someone to walk across and, and take up a list spot. Um, and they've got sort of three picks at the moment. I'd be trying to potentially bank picks for next year's draft and reload again. Jeez, I, I, well, the highest I don't pick know. this year is pick 30, so it's deep. Yeah, yeah but who on, who on that list are you going to trade with currency? Well, that, that's the issue they've got because you sort of think of all their players, you know, we, we've seen the list of players that they've got over 30. You can't really, apart from maybe Higgins and Henderson, you can't fault too many of them. They're pretty crucial members of the side. I think it's just that old, uh, that bottom six theory and maybe just the way that they play the game. They need to build something that they can play in September with success. Um, you know, I mean, I know that I, in my uh, thinking that, yeah, the, the home ground advantage probably gets them probably two or three wins more than they probably are, but they've also got to play a game style in, in September that holds up. And look, they have one that's pretty successful given that they've made that many prelims o- over the stretch. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It's almost similar to that 2010 crossroads where, you know, Ablett left, Thompson left. You wondered which way they were going to go. They got it together and actually won the 2011 flag. So I'm not. I mean, I'm, I could be. Yeah, it's a, I would say it's a bit different to that. They don't have that level of talent across the list. Um, but I'm just looking at the list now. So Higgins will play out his contract, but there'll be no takers for him. And I reckon they'll be talk, trying to talk him into a retirement sort of deal. Uh, Selwood will play on, but shouldn't. Hawkins will play on, and most definitely should. Smith should. Isaac Smith. Isaac Isaac Smith should play on. Then. He he's, he was the fi- he was the best performing pick of the guys they brought in. Josh Jenkins has got to go. Um, I, don't, I don't see him. I don't see him playing anywhere next year. What would you do with Zach Tui? Would you be able to flip him somewhere for something? Oh, geez, you're probably stretching it there. Uh, we, I mean, we did see with with Stewart out, he did add add some value. Didn't have his best game in the prelim, but had a huge semi. I, the, the, yeah, so who else have we got up in that 30 bracket? Lockie Henderson. Yeah, um, gone. Yeah. Gone. 
Won't play on? No, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't think he would play on. Yeah, right. Uh well danger, he'll he'll stay yeah, around. Yeah, he'll stay. Reese Stanley, he'll probably stay, but I think they're gonna offer him a contract. Been trying to find a replacement in Ruckman for years, and then you've got Blitzavs who certainly would play on. He's in good enough form. Gary Rowan. Yeah, he can he's take a He's an interesting one. I mean, yeah, obviously people are getting you know barreling into him for his finals record, and obviously it's on the player because he's the one out there doing it. But you know, is there any coaching he's lacking or or, or role he's lacking, or you just where where do you sit with him? Is is it just genuinely? I mean, I I don't think you can say it's a lack of talent. The 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 bloke can play. I just don't think the preparation to get him to perform at the right end of the year is there. So that's on player and probably coach and development team for that one. Yeah, uh, I'd put it. I'd put it more down to the expectation we have of a player like Gary Rowan. He is when he's up and about. He looks like he could be anything. You know, he was in that game they belted Port. It was him, Cameron, and uh, Hawkins who kicked. You know some obscene amount of goals between them. But when the team's down, he's not a player who can also stand up and still kick four or five like Hawk or Cameron could. But somehow we seem to expect more of him because he shows glimpses of it. If you know what you're going to get from him, which is... If your team's in it and it's close, he can do that one magical thing that gets you over the line. Kick a goal after the siren to win the game sort of thing. But... If your team's down and out like it was against Melbourne, he ain't going to do much to bring you back in it. Never has, never will. So, um, yeah, I, I tend, I, I agree with you on that one, Seb. You know, I'm, I'm commenting on commentary I saw from Cameron Ling, who was calling for him to be delisted. I thought that was a little extreme. But well, if you want to, yeah, look, would if you, you delist him, or does he have a spot next year? I'd delist Cameron Ling from the seven commentary teams. Uh, <laughs> That's probably overdue. Look, yeah. there's a few that are 29 as well, by the way, that we can get to. Well, later. He, he's one of them, Duncan Menegola and <laughs> well, Guthrie, Dalhouse, Stewart, Cameron, all 28. Um, look, you, you probably would look to move Gary Rowan on and, and that's sort of one of the spots you can bring some youth in. But there is some youth there with some reliable players. Like Jack Henry's a great player. He's 22. Um well, he's the, sh- the shining light. You've probably put Parford in there. Be 23. This website can't count. <laughs> August 98. He's 23, mate. Um, Grian Myers, 22. You know, Charlie Constable played a little bit. Jordan Clark, let's talk about him. Um, I'm just looking down this list. Like Asava Radagalia. Yes, no, maybe, who knows. Parfit was a big loss. Quinton Narkle. Who knows what's going on there? Mark O'Connor is a big loss. You've got Atkins. I could have sworn College Ajney was going to be older than 25 or 26 website. Um, yeah, that, that's, he's, he, he's, I thought he was younger than that, to be honest. But, yeah, look, <laughs> I kind of think you're actually right in that they've, they've sort of boxed themselves in. They basically do have to give it one more roll of the dice. They can't really cut too many of these 30-year-olds because they don't have the cattle and they don't have the pick, so they cannot actually do it next year without doing something probably unseen in the draft era. Um, but, I mean, it, it's interesting, you know, 2011, they win the flag. 
that's sort of the year of this free agency and, and player movement really gets, you know, rejigged and re- a real emphasis on it. And I guess maybe teams because, you know, we had the, the new clubs coming in sort of were a little toey on the draft just because there weren't the picks available. But I feel like they've just, they've gone too far into bringing other talent in. Uh, and they've got, yeah, like I said off the top, the recruiters to, to make the smart decisions, but they're not actually getting to, you know, to the point where they're having to do that top end uh, picking. So I, I think there is, yeah, time to do that. Um, well, the time to do that is now. Yeah, um, our man got a little shout out on SEN from uh, Wellesley. Oh, good. But I think it was last week. One of my cousins was telling me, uh, yeah, Wellesley said, oh, it's good to see a young blokes coming through like Liam Woodland and, and this, that, and the other. And like, so, you know, oh, well, really, I mean, the pressure's he, on him. He's like, getting he bigger. Needs to I mean, lift. He was on our show last year, hasn't appeared this year. Is he, he's getting big. He's getting big. Don't forget well, about hard us, mate. To, Come on the show. We'll have you. Don't it's hard to get him after he spends about eighty percent of draft night in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Just with this Geelong list, like when I say I think they have to, it, it's not reload and go again. So don't start trying to trade more picks for another established player. But it is see who you can bring in. If someone wants to go, or there's a chance to move someone on who's twenty eight plus, and and you get something back, look at it. Um, what would but be try and back? Sorry, just quickly. Um, when you say something back, I mean, are you talking like fire sale, fourth and fifth rounders, or nah, 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 not fire sale. Um, yeah. Like, let's say, let's say the dogs lose this grand final, and they lack lots of runoff half back. Like, wouldn't they want someone like Zach Tui and give up a second round pick or something like that? Or second might might push it, but yeah, look, they'd, they'd be interested. They'd pique their interest. Just to, uh, look, it depends. I mean, we got a second round pick for Sean Higgins, which looks like a, a daylight robbery at this point. Um, so it, it it's hard to value some of those on the open market currently. But what I'm saying is, in terms of the reload, don't give up any more draft picks. If you get a chance to bring some in, do it. If you get a chance to trade back but bring in picks for next year or something like that, definitely do it. Uh, but they still, they're still going to win enough games to play finals next year, you would think. So why wouldn't you keep that team around? Like, There's no point just going, oh, well, we can't win the flag. Let's see who we can move on. I mean, you know, like wh- how do you start moving them on? Like, what, What's the point? What do you achieve for moving them on to drop down the ladder quicker to be terrible? I don't fully understand what it achieves doing it so quickly. But that's the the general media wants to talk about doing it, but not how to do it. Yeah, that that's a, a really good call because, um, yeah, it's all focused on the negative. I mean, yeah, basically they, they've got to do two things. They've got to, I guess, get the most out of the list and you can argue whether or not they've already done it. They probably think that there's still a little bit more juice left in this one. Do that while also, you know, all those 30-year-olds are going to take a lot of experience with them. They've got to have something in place. Otherwise, it's going to be really bare when they're all gone. So, yeah, it's it's not an easy time down there. But, look, we've <clears throat> we've seen over the journey that they can get the job done. Uh, you know, Seltwood in his post-match sort of talking about not bottoming out. Uh, it's not really in their DNA to do that. Uh, unlike other clubs that we've seen. So, look, it, bottoming out for them is probably 10th. So, I mean, yeah, they, they make it that what you will. But 
I think we're going to keep seeing the Cats. That's just the way they roll. Where do you put their season, uh, Seb? I know we, we're going to get into the uh, the uni grades later in a review of the year, but it, it's got to be got to be a fail, doesn't it? All all the chips in, and they didn't win the flag. Oh, that that's harsh. All the chips in and not winning the flag is is harsh because only one team can win the flag, and they're just they're so hard to win. Tom, I should not have to tell you that. <laughs> I will say it was a disappointing way to go out. You get to a prelim, anything can happen, and then you wet the bed. Not a nice way to go out. So, yeah, look, not a very disappointing end to what really was a promising year all around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, average age of 25.4 years, I think that was at the start of the year. Oldest in the comp, just ahead of the Saints. Uh, not a great spot to be in, in terms of on the way down. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, well, look, we'll, we'll keep tabs on the Cats. We've got a lot of Cats listeners out there, so we'll, we'll keep uh, tabs on that. Um, just a question, actually, to flip back onto the Ds. Um, obviously, we saw some outstanding games. Um, is this something that we can see the Ds replicate? I know um, we'll cover the granny in more detail, obviously, uh, next week, given we've uh, got the, the double uh, weeks off. But, I mean, you know... Max kicking five, Petrarca, Oliver having huge numbers, Viney having the game of his life, Jake Bowie, I mean, he was unbelievable down back, Harrison Petey covered for Stephen May. I mean, are these prelim freak performances or, or can they replicate some of this in the big dance? Is it real is what I'm asking. Uh, it, it's real. It's real. Um, replicate, Max with five goals, kicking them from all angles and out of his backside. Maybe not, but... No, yes, those players can have a huge impact grand final day. And look, the midfield won't be able to do what they want. Like, you know, the dogs are going to rack up plenty of it and move it and, and throw it around there to get everyone their touches. So the Ds will have to be on their game. But it wasn't it wasn't a flash in the pan. The, Geelong were just terrible. And it probably made Melbourne look 20% better than what potentially you might see in a grand final. But... Uh, yeah, it, all, all credit to the Ds. They they did it. Well, they've started the job. They've got to finish the job. It would be fair. Um, were you happy with your man, Goody? I've got to ask, you know, the, the, he's coached the, the team into a granny. How did you see his uh, performance on the weekend? I know there were many a flash to the bench. and don't Well, know you've, played, you've or... played local footy, right? Yeah. You've played local footy. so Plenty of it and at a high level. You are... You did a lot of running, running through the middle, in and out. So you'd run through, have your breather on the bench for a few minutes and then get back out there, right? So I've coached a couple of games from the sidelines. Do you know how hard it is to tell what's going on on the other side of the ground at local level? Yeah. It's, I, Impossible. Yeah. Now imagine 60,000 people screaming all around you. And what do you think he can see from down there? Look, it's it, a fool's it, game trying to be a senior coach on the side like that, Goody. Come on. Well, just to add something to that. I, I, Don't start telling me the other coaches that were down there. They're good coaches. <laughs> Whack. There's your, your weekly clip of Goody. Now, I was going to say, we saw Bevo. He actually came back down, did something and went back up. I thought that was way more bizarre given just pick up a phone, Bevo. But anyway, we'll get to the dogs next. But... Um, 
yeah, you, you still find ways to not give uh, Goody credit. Uh, it might might take a Jock McHale medal round his neck just to make you feel comfortable with him. But uh, look, for, for what it's worth, I think he's he's going more of that man management side, um, I guess, being down on the boundary. Maybe he leaves... Uh, who's up there in the box? Richo and I think Mark Williams, he was on the on the boundary. But Mark uh, Williams was on the boundary telling Goody how to do the man management. <laughs> Goody was getting coached by a real coach. Uh, look, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. He's obviously done a great job to get the team here. Uh, yeah, look, to be honest, this isn't a shot at Goody. It didn't take a genius coach to get the team winning that game. They like they just had the players winning all over the ground. It, like, it didn't matter what the coach was doing. They were just on top. This is the biggest that, that's coaching not a achievement of his life, and you've just belittled it. No, no, no. That's, like that's, that's not a shot. That's more a shot at the Cats. They were just pitiful. Oh, I thought like, you were going to say could... shot at the Cats like the 2011 flag, which was probably one on field rather than up in the box. Oh... That was one with a little bit with the sub rule, forcing them to activate the sub and get Podsy Adley off. Suddenly gave them some extra run, yeah, and the true. Hawk went nuts. They haven't been that quick for a long time. Um, but no, look, yeah, you got to give Goody some some credit, whatever degree you want to do it. But I, I think what what do you think he cooked Max Gorney's dinner the night before so he could pull those out of his backside? Like, look, if, if the players are doing that, it's got nothing to do with coaching. The players were just all round better. But they were switched on, and you could tell from the start. I mean, Benny Brown taking screamers in the first minute, you, you knew that they were prepared to perform as soon as the siren went, which the right. coach has a fair amount of uh, input in. So it was Chris Scott and Ken Hinckley who lost on the weekend. Look, I feel like I'm going down a dead end road. I'm not going to make you uh, give any, Goody any credit here. I know when I'm beat. I'll try again. I don't think I'm going week, to. Depending on the result, geez, if they get done, you'll sink the boots in. Um, no, look, all round a, a historic night for the D's. That is one to lap up. We we talk about name a game DVD. Get a copy of that D's fans. That is probably as good. Well, it's probably as good as a, as as they've played since probably that last granny, really, um, the last grand final win. I know they've had some patches here and there, but that that is a you know eighty point belting in a prelim doesn't get better than that. Um, let's move on to the Saturday game, Dogs Power. We're sitting here at quarter time, shocked most of us at at the Dogs start. They just speaking of you know jumping from the start and being ready and prepared, they absolutely obliterated the Power. It was embarrassing to watch for the Power. Yeah, I. this one was, I don't know if this was more bizarre to me than not, but the power should have been well rested, ready to go. They had the heartbreak of last yeah. year. Um, I guess the cast did too, but they just couldn't get their hands on the ball and couldn't get going. And before you knew it, it was, it was done. Cue in the rack, dogs were through. It was, it was far too quick. I mean... Charlie Dixon's a monster, but then keeps jumping at everything one-handed. Uh, it just... Oh, yeah. You, you shake your head, don't you? Like, oh, I was... You watch it and you'd say Port Adelaide are a pretty good kicking team. Their kicking was terrible, especially out of the back line. Um, just not even, you know, sort of rubbishy kicks out. Just blatant drop punt turnovers to dogs. Um, midfielders and, and wingmen just, just sitting there waiting. And 
they just couldn't win a one-on-one contest to save themselves. That, that That's the old, you know, harder for longer, but they didn't bring it at any stage. And I think, you know, Wines kicked their first and you're like, all right, they're up, here we go. But it just, they just had no answers at, at any time. Um, they just couldn't get any flow. Uh, and the- Yeah, I'm, I'm really dirty on myself. Because um, I didn't want to give them any credit, even when they beat the Dogs in round 23. I still didn't want to give them credit then. That was the first top four side they'd beaten. And then they won the first final and we finally started giving them some credit. And then as the chips fall and we start seeing who's who, Geelong were cooked by the end of the year. That wasn't that big a win. Port were the biggest. They were pretenders too. Like, I'm dirty because I had them pegged all the way up to around 23 and then two wins against good opposition sucked me in and I thought they could win and, and put up a fight in a grand final and nah, they were just not up to it. Um, I'd be, yeah, if, if I were running the Port Adelaide Football Club, bye-bye Kenny, I'd be finding someone else. Jeez, he's claimed another one. You have the taste of blood for coaches, high-performing coaches, it seems. The higher they go, the better they are for you. Um, well, that's massive. You've got a, you got a choice. You've got a choice on that, right? So everyone talks about once you've been around a club for 10 years and not made it to a grand final, it's generally time to move on. Well, that's right where they are. Do you want to wait another year and, and find out that Ken's still not the man? Or do you look at your list and go, well, look, we've got a Brownlow medal favourite. We've brought in a Lear. Um, Boke's still going at high level charlie dixon should have a couple more years left um you know robbie gray's not getting any younger do we try and put this team together and go for it again do do we trust in ken to get us to another preliminary final and lose like like what do you is he that's how i'd roll the dice with this list is he getting the best out of that that list and if you sort of have a look at it on paper I, i i tend to think that he is if you want to give Goodwin any credit for Melbourne obliterating Geelong, then Ken Hinckley has to take all the blame in this situation. Oh, no, no, he absolutely does. I mean, I, I think it's been well spoken about, but the decision to put your tagger that did the job on Libba on the pine and then Libba sets up the dog's first three will just go down a la, you know, Trent Cochin kicking against the wind in that game. Port Adelaide involved again. Um yeah, it just, just, yeah, it was all up in the box. Yeah, and I mean, I patted Goody on the back for the preparation. So, uh, other foot, the power. They had, yeah, like you said, the week off, the motivation. I mean, yeah, I, I sat down Saturday night to watch this thinking there's no way, I, I just cannot picture the dogs winning this unless it's a, you know, a grind and they win it by a kick. I couldn't see a 12-goal win coming out. Um Earlier, you know, earlier on Saturday, I was reading about Port Adelaide, and they actually trimmed like 500 or so games from their list last year. Got younger, had that young blood, had, you know, I guess, I mean, they cut what Rockcliffe, Ebert, Harlot wasn't playing, Cleary wasn't playing. There's sort of 500 games there. I was thinking, oh, geez, they've got this young blood. It's exciting. It's they're playing a good brand, but it actually was the opposite. They just had, yeah, young kids that just weren't ready for that stage and weren't ready for the dog's heat. So I don't know if that's all, Kenny. Uh, I mean, how do you, how do you do? I mean, they've got a, yeah, they've got a young list. So I still think that there's potential there, but I, I just think, um, you know, on the weekend, it, yeah, it, a couple of decisions from Kenny weren't the best, but I, I still think, yeah, the, 
they need to just add midfield depth if they're going to do that. So I mean, if they can get some good, good quality players in, particularly yeah, in the in the midfield, and and go again with the players they've got, I still think there's hope for Kenny yet. So I wouldn't put the line through Amala yourself, but. Um, well, I'm saying you do that and bring a new coach in to just push them over the top. But like, who who's available? Do you think they could do that? Well, we're going to get to uh, a next coach betting market later in the show, where some interesting names are available. But uh, you've got—it's a great question of who's available, Tom. Don Pike is around, and everyone's talking about him, whether he wants to be a senior coach or not. Uh, you reckon Buckley would go all right? Geez, Buckley back at the power hasn't been there since he was a teenager at the at the Magpies, Port Adelaide Magpies. Bring him home. Yeah, geez, that, that's one. I mean, that, that starts a coaching merry-go-round. I could see Ken Hinckley at the Blues if, uh, if he jagged loose, although whether he'd want that job, that's another thing. But... Yeah, I'm, look, I'm, I, if I'm Port Adelaide, I, I stick with Kenny. I think it is, it is harsh, the, the record. I mean, when when you say he hasn't hasn't made a grand final, that, that does seem a little harsh given he, he's lost three prelims and two of them were under a kick. So it, it, he's been probably a little bit stiff. They just, yeah, just need to keep adding class. I mean, they, they didn't make any mistakes adding Alir and, look, Orazio was probably an average one, but... Look, it wasn't a fail. So if they can get a couple more of those good picks, maybe add another good draftee. They've got a good record picking the kids. So, um, look, there's hope for them yet. But, yeah, th- this is an embarrassment. And I, I heard a good, uh, a good, I guess, conundrum put to them. Do you think this will make the group or break the group going forward? Oh, yeah, yeah, we saw an 07, you know, that broke the group. That club was screwed up for a long time after that, Granny. Yeah, I don't think it'll do either. I don't think it'll make them. They're not going to build on this loss and suddenly win the flag next year because of it. Uh, But I don't think it necessarily breaks them and they suddenly drop to 12th next year. Um, I don't think... I don't think it will have that level of impact. Um, but it certainly can when you lose by big figures. Um, like, yeah, the, the 07 grand final, 119, certainly did. Um, you just mentioned Orazio. Do you reckon they, if they could wind back the clock, they'd undo that deal in a second? Yeah, honestly, yeah, they I probably would. would. They'd probably take a kid instead. If you want to talk about uh, whether Geelong should delist Gary Rowan... The only reason you're not delisting Fantasia is because you've given up a draft pick for him and you need to prove that it's worthwhile because he went just as missing, just as much as Gary Rowan did. Yeah, look, that, that's fair. Um, again, in that tricky half-forward spot. But, yeah, I mean, you, you live and die by these deals. I mean, I don't, you know, all Australian, but literally didn't have his best game on the weekend either. It, it, it Yeah, yeah. It is a, it is a tricky one. I guess you, you're only as good as your last game, like you like you said. But look, they can go to the draft, add some quality. Yeah, maybe they stay away from from adding, you know, that sort of free agent talent. But I yeah, I still stick by it that they need to add real class around the midfield. So they they probably do have to probably spend the picks to get the players. So they look, they got some interesting decisions to make. 
Yeah, they do. I um, I don't know. I don't know where the improvement can come from for them to come back next year and you go, yeah, all right, they're going to win. They're going to beat these top four sides this year. They were just better than the rest and kept winning against your middle and lower class teams, and that's why they finished top four. True, but do you, I mean, you get a full year out of Butters, Dersma, Rosie, um, yeah, another year, good year out of Lear, Lear. I could see improvement there. I, I just, yeah, it's too much is left to Wines and Boke in that midfield, so they've got to fix that. That's probably where they get the improvement. Yeah, so, the, well, I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't know, like, who's coming in to, to fix that void? Who's around? Are they going to get go and get Tom Mitchell? He, he's gettable. Yeah, there were a few rumours swirling. Luke Parker signed. Um, Matt Crouch signed. There's probably a couple that probably would have made them instantly better that are off the table. So they're, they're going to have to get creative. Yeah, so I, I don't see... Just because those kids are young doesn't mean in a year they're going to get better. That is... Oh, I, get, I was going to say that's the Carlton method of thinking. We're young. Next year we're going to get better. I think it's just not how the game fans works. out there that are thinking that too. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna point the finger your way a little well, bit. Well, no, yeah, we, I, I did it. Don't worry about that. The Saints, um, we, we've done it too. So with that, I don't see how they suddenly. I, I don't see where it's going to come from that they're going to be uh, more of a legitimate top four premiership threat next year. I think a real fresh voice. Look, there's talent there. Yeah, they might need a a little bit more in the midfield. Um, but there's still talent across the list. A fresh voice, changing game plan, could that help? That's where I would be, you know, if I was Koshy and didn't we all made a big deal that Koshy wasn't getting into WA. Well, he wouldn't want to go there now, would he? So <laughs> Definitely like, not. Just let's stop putting the cart before the horse, people. Uh, yeah, I, ultimately it was disappointing for the power, but... I mean, are we that's, given... That's who we thought they were all year, wasn't it? Well, yeah, the, the true colours came out. I, I just think it was just the margin that, that stunned me. Um, you know, other dog, You know, yes, the power of pretenders, but are the dogs a 12-goal better side? I, I don't think there was too much junk time. I think the dogs had the switch on the whole game. Um, I mean, yeah, the bond on one leg, arguably, he was unbelievable. I mean, Keith didn't play. That was you know, the worry going in. Um, it didn't matter. He can freshen up. Waitman, he, he's going to come back. Um, you know, Josh Josh Shackey had the game of his life. Mitch Hannon had the game of his life. They got some of those prelim performances where you're sort of wondering if they can replicate that. Um, yeah, which I guess we'll get to in, a, in our grand final preview show. But, um, yeah, they were unbelievable. Bailey Smith, he... Continues just to add to this class of 2018 draft in, and the debates we're going to have about who is the best player out of that one. He, I mean, seven goals in these last two two games, that, that is unbelievable. He is in some sort of form. Yeah, he's he's outstanding. He just runs all day. I mean, he's popped up late in games and, and it's not like he's done the ice in the veins and we talk about clutch. It's nothing to do with that. He's just still running so hard at the end of games. And he's because of that, he's got the ability to finish off his work when a lot of players who are, they might still be running, but they're cooked and they can't finish off properly. Um, just that ability in a youngster is amazing. And he's going to, he's going to etch out a fine career. He would, uh, he might be worthwhile a little Norm Smith investment, Tom. 
yeah, that's not a bad one. We'll, we'll get to those. So, yeah, look, you, you've got to love it if, you, if you're the dogs. I mean, I, I had my, yeah, well-established worries going in. I did see a couple of coaches in, in prelim week sort of delving into some, some weird sort of turf. Um, you know, Chris Scott trying to take on um, Mitch, uh, what's, sorry, Dr. Peter Larkins during the week about the, you know, Stuart foot injury. I thought that was bizarre. Then I sort of hear Bevo arcing up about the, the government and training. And look, I didn't know what to believe, but, you know, one coach has a great win, one doesn't. It doesn't really matter in the end. Um, the Bulldogs and their ability just to prepare, even with all the things they've had up against them and, and win it by 12 goals, I'd take my hat off to them. And that's not something I do often for the Dogs. Yeah, no, no. Oh, full credit to the Dogs. Better side on the night. Uh, let's hope. Well, I was going to say let's hope, but this week off gives them. They get the beer advantage in Melbourne out of this week off because they've been on the road, on the road, on the road. Travel, travel, travel. They get some time to recoup, get some rest in the legs. I guess Melbourne will appreciate from a uh, Stephen May point of view, but um, I think overall the dogs will be the big winners out of this forced buy we have to have for... Reasons unknown. Exactly. It's it is almost ideal for them in that yeah they'll sort of yeah they've played three hard ones get that week off and then play. It's almost like a little you know when you win the qualifying get that nice week off that advantage. Whereas the D's love to play this week because they're riding that momentum. It's just yeah how they prepare. We'll we'll get to that. Let's uh, wind the clock back. So a famous and I guess controversial by our standard segment that we uh, introduced this year it's much love the the university grade so every week in the home and away season we we analyze the game every match gave every team every week a score um you know the grades varied from high distinctions and there were plenty of them to off to the coordinators and there were probably even more of those um but here at 12 rows back we've tallied this year's results and we have Look, it, it, this is, I guess, the the uni grades final year report, end of year report. I know plenty of our listeners out there remember, you know, finishing school on term four, and and you get that final year report, and you either try and hide it from mum and dad, or you you take it into them proudly. But look, I think there'll be a few teams that'll take it in, and there might be a few that just uh, gets lost in the mail. So why don't we get into it, Seb? Um, a couple of things that that caught your eye out of the uh, the results at the uh, the end of the year, and then we'll build into uh, our team of the year. Yeah, so we had we had Richmond and West Coast, who neither of us gave a high distinction grade to. Tom, yes, all year they just didn't get the good grades. They they didn't didn't outperform it. our expectations. Uh, I've just done a little. Uh, I've, I've got an additional calc on my spreadsheet that I just did which i'm not sure you'll have but the average grade yeah so what uh what what tom tom's put this together i believe no help from anyone else tom you no no excel uh you know love love the program so it's it's all me spare time at work or uh no just that's all right you have to answer that uh so basically a high hd is 100 a distinction 75 a pass is 50 a fails 25 you coordinate you get zero and if you have a suspended grade it's minus 25 so look at them as percentages i guess the high distinction you've scored 100 percent nothing better so i've actually got the average grades tom and gee who's that the bombers averaged 
a 60%, so that's almost a distinction average. Yeah, geez, that's solid. Not far off it. Uh, the Swanee's just behind them. Well, sort of, for you, the Swanee's slightly ahead. We had, we saw most teams around about the same. Uh, you had... You had the Saints a lot higher than what I did. You had the Roos a lot higher than what I did. Yeah, so for for those raw numbers, so uh, just so people know, 44 HDs for me, 41 from you, 67 distinctions from me, 69 from you, uh, 151 passes from me, 141 from you. Uh, I failed a team 91 times. You did it, uh, sorry, 91 times. You did it 95. And then off to the coordinator, I had 40 visits and you had 48. Um, So, yeah, a lot like you you were saying, you were the harsh uh, taskmaster. But, um, yeah, adding up all these scores, like you said, Sydney, Melbourne, Essendon at the top of the tree. The Ducks of the class by a slight margin is actually the Swans. Um, they ended up sl- with the slightly higher score. Dees and Melbourne actually equal second uh, in our ranking. But the Swans uh, get our Ducks of the class of 2021. Seb, how does that sit with you? That, that's that's where they should sit, I think. Uh, to finish sixth home, well, what should have been a home final. Uh, I think most people had them pegged probably bottom six, maybe bottom ten of the ladder, but yeah, uh, to finish six and have the year they did, and while having so many youngsters play and run around, was was just outstanding and and magnificent. They lost that by a point too, so could have easily been second week of the finals playing the Cats. Who knows? Yeah, could have been playing the D's. Who who knows? I'd take Johnny Longmire there. <laughs> you you definitely would. No, hats off to the Swannies. They they can have the the team of the year. Um, yeah, I mean we we've we've talked about them. They've to bring in that much youth to complement their experience. I mean, and, and to perform as well as they did, it is a, a credit to them, and and probably something a lot of other clubs will be looking to copy. Um, we'll we'll bring it back. The uh, the grading uh, it might be tighter. Next year, the, the grading, we might even mix up how we score it, but we really enjoyed doing it throughout the year. It was a real great way to look back at uh, at the teams and, you know, sink the boots in when we could, but give praise when we could as well. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, like we said, Sydney, Melbourne, Essendon, uh, and the Dogs round out our top four. So, yeah, you can't argue with them there that they're the standout performers this year. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely an exercise that will return in 2022. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're stuck in this bye week at the moment. Uh, we really want a grand final. It ain't going to happen. We're waiting till the week after. But Sunday night, we've got the famous, famous event in grand final week. Uh, moved to a Sunday now um, as of last year, the Brownlow medal. So we thought, uh, given we'll save our grand final preview for next week, given the game is, uh, you know, in a fortnight's time, and we'll delve into the Brownlow medal. So we'll... I mean, off the top, Seb. I mean, is it a is it done and dusted? Is it a clear favourite for you? Uh, anything? I mean, we'll, we'll get to our uh, our best bets, but or interesting bets, maybe not best bets. But um, uh, who's at the the top end of the table for this uh, weekend's Brownlow? Well, they all featured on uh, on the weekend, didn't they? Wines, Bonson and Pally. Who is it from Melbourne? Is it Oliver or Petrarca, Tom? That is. That, that they might be vote pinches, do you think? Well, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking. Um, I mean, the track uh, he, I mean, Oliver's done it too. Brayshaw's done it too, actually. But you know, last year I think 
you know, the track right, right up there at that pointy end. Um, but I mean, how many games can you actually say one of them was clearly great and the other had a poor game? They basically all played well the whole year, every game. So there is going to be an element where, yeah, some threes become twos, maybe a threes a one. Um, you, you, you know, I know Ruckman don't usually poll, but Big Maxi's in there as well. Um, it, it could be similar at the Dogs, actually, with, with the Bont and McRae. McRae, not a known vote-getter, but there's a lot of, you know, midfielders in there for the Dogs, Hunter and, and Dunkley and, and Trelaw, I guess, at different stages. I mean, Josh Bruce surely gets three votes for his 10-goal game against the Roos. So th- there's vote-pinching going on all over the shop, which is why I'm I'm leaning towards Ollie Wines. I know Bokes had some great games, but I, I just think, Ollie's a one-man show almost there, uh, to a degree at the power. So I don't think pinching is as big a factor for them, and they won a heap of games um, with him starring. So uh, he's probably my pick. Um, so uh, to whittle it down, Seb, I mean, who do you like if you had to pick one? Well, before I pick, I've got two things. You pick the favourite, so... So that's, that's sort of standard practice. And are you feeling all right? You didn't mention Jack Steele, who's fourth in the line of betting. Yeah, just, just. I mean, we were talking about those. Normally, it's any chance to work the Saints in. Like, <laughs> well, I have to. Well, let me try. I have to scroll a fair way. Who, who, who's North's going to be first? I'm up to the 500 to one shots. Ben Cunnington at 500 to one. He'll have to pull three in every game he plays to get to about 27, I think. Yeah, geez, you didn't give any um, votes. You had him in your All Australian calculation, so he might be up there. No, look, Jackie's still definitely a chance. Um, the only thing holding him back. But that's mine. that's fine, Tom. I didn't want I didn't want your analysis on him. I just wanted to point out you, sh- you normally bring him up first thing. Oh, look, love Ollie Wines. Great first name. Uh, love Clayton Oliver. Great last name. Uh, Something tells me it's between Christian Petrarca and Marcus Bontempelli. They're just, they're just the the Bont. Everyone watches the Bont. We know he runs. He's just a smooth mover. Great user of the ball. There's a fairy tale story in in him winning it. What first one for the dog since Cooney? And then the Petrarca story. I don't know. He just pulled so well last year. And why wouldn't he pull well now? They've won, what, almost double the games? Yeah, basically, yeah, true. I guess there's a few more games, but, uh, yeah, look, and these are just tab odds, but $15 for Petrarca when he's going to be right around the money come late in the year. That is that is very, very tempting to me, Tom. Yeah, look, don't mind Might that. Might take our punters club money and just have a little investment. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a real good idea, that one. Um, look. They're all they're all going to be up there when the uh, the, the whips are cracking. I think. Um, oh look, I now you've got me feeling bad for Jackie. So I think he's there, but did the Saints win enough games? No. It does. It look they're the factors in a Brownlow. Are you a midfielder for one? And um, you know, did your side win a lot of games? We we haven't really seen a. You know, well, a, maybe if he plays really well in that game against Brisbane, Gill will give him three votes for six weeks earlier. Yeah, geez, it's going to be tough. We had a lot of players play well that night. It was an outstanding, outstanding game. Darcy, Darcy Parrish, sniff anything? He got lots of medals for best on ground. Well, there's probably a few three votes in, in those games. I mean, again, does does Merritt pinch votes off him? Where do you actually, where do you sit on vote pinching? Is it a myth or is it a legit thing? 
Well, I mean, if Bartel and Ablett can win them playing in the same side. Or Black, Akamanis, um, you know, they do. Voss. Yeah. yeah. It is... It, it, look, it can have an impact late in the count, but Brownlow is often down to one great season. There's not many who have, you know, six or seven great years in a row where they win a couple, two, three Brownlows and finish top four, five every other year. You know, there's not many like Judd. Um, who else? Adam Goods would have had a few high finishes. He obviously won two. Yeah, Rob Harvey, he, he's the... Nope. Yeah, well, you're back, you're back in the 90s for, for Harvey, you know. Scotty West had a, didn't win one, but had lots of top two finishes. Yeah, that, well, I mean, Danger's our modern-day equivalent of that. I know he's he's won one, but he, he polls votes every year at high numbers. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. If, I mean, Danger won it when he came and played in a team with Selwood, who always polls. So, like, it, it probably can factor in, but if your team wins enough games... You're then winning enough best on grounds. I think it'd probably have more of an impact if these teams were finishing eighth, ninth with 13 wins. Where, all right, they might get six best ons, but where where are your next 10 votes coming from? Uh, so, yeah, you just got to look at it. I mean, that's why Fords can't win it because if a Ford plays well, a midfielder has to play well to get them the ball. Yeah, so that's right. And the the thing they're going to get votes. I can't believe if you look at some of the counts, even yeah, some of those sort of nineties counts and, and maybe even early two thousands, blokes winning it with you know votes in the low twenties, sometimes under under twenty votes gets it done. We are well past those days. If you are a star mid, you're getting yeah mid twenties at least, uh, pushing thirty really will will get get the job done um i feel yeah that the recent counts have, have really really favored yeah those, those mids that that get the three week in week out almost it feels um so i'm not saying it's going to go back i mean yeah I, I think it's past the days where a forward or backman can win it so you've got to be one of uh, incredibly outstanding ruckman which we do have in this comp but it's gonna it's it's a midfielder that wins it so um yeah patrack bont wines um i mean yeah oliver's up there stills uh stills up there look parish he'll give it a shake um who else have you got on the on the betting lines there seb is there, is there anyone else that sort of takes your fancy as as, as a real roughie that could come from the clouds and and create a bit of a storm uh, David Mundy, he was outstanding in a lot of games for Freo. Yeah. Like he, he could get five or six best ons. He just have to get the, the difference. Does Sam Walsh uh, pole incredibly well. I mean, he, the the youth right, here. Well, I mean, he, he's sixth in the line of betting time. I was going a bit further outside, sort of the top ten. <laughs> He'll, he'll poll, but Carlton didn't win enough games because they're uh, not a good football side. Jeez, you did go deep for Dave Mundy. You are looking for some real value there. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, some of these are just ridiculous. Like, you reckon Tom Stewart could poll? Oh, he will poll votes, but probably not oh, too yeah. many. I found Jai Simkin at 500 to 1. Is that better than Ben Cunnington? No, Cunners is 100 to 1, 150 to 1. Wait. Let me me scroll, Tom. Just because we're all on the edge of our seat for the Ruse Brownlow medal count. 
you might just be giving the lowest team score you, a shake. Uh, Alright, is this a pot North Melbourne segment, is it? Oh no, just just we're, we're pulling out some talent. We're we've pulled out. We've got. Uh, I pulled it out, so I set you up there. Um, and ben Cunnington at five hundred to one too. Same as Jakey Stringer. Uh, Taylor Walker is apparently eligible for the Brownlow. That is bizarre. That's got to be. Yeah, that He's is not bizarre. suspended for on field, but imagine it. Oh, gee, imagine that time. Well, he'll poll early because he, he had a great start to the year, Tex. He kicked those yeah, big bags. Uh, he'll poll I think votes. his favourite to be leading by round five because I think he'll poll about nine. Yeah, don't expect the coverage to mention him too in depth if he does lead, by the way. Um, but look, have you got a couple of, I guess, quirky bets, best bets, lock type bets uh, that you can give our loyal listeners out there uh, as they as they head in. Obviously, Brownlow's not all about betting, but it is nice to sort of see these quirky hunches that people have come true, uh, that there's just a lot of stats that go into the Brownlow, given the nine games, 23 rounds, one, three, two, one every week. So there's plenty to consider. Yeah, so just to... Give you one North Melbourne style. Aaron Hall, most team votes, $11. He's almost best known for his year at the Gold Coast where he had three best ons, I think, in the first three weeks and then I don't think he polled again. <laughs> That's true. I was not a fan of his year. Sorry, I'm not a fan of his style of play, but he had a lot of games where he racked up the possessions and he was best on in probably a couple of our wins, close to it. Just given he's so flashy, he's flashy, the umpires know where he is. Like at $11, he's only got to beat Cunnington and Simpkin, who Cunnington didn't play in many of our wins, so I think that might be a false economy. Uh, just scrolling, see the Saints is most votes without Jack Steele, so it's not as fun. Yeah. Could Max King nab that? No, he didn't kick goals. Um, um, look, he, oh, maybe against West Coast he might get votes there, but probably not enough to top it. Um Jack Higgins might be value, actually, if you're looking at the Saints. Uh, he had a few games that, that sort of caught the eye. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe Lukey Dunstan, he might be a bit of value too. He had a real hot patch in the middle of the year when he came back. Well, he's actually favourite. Oh, there you go. You're getting rid of him, so <laughs> don't know don't know where that leaves you. Uh, I actually had a best bet that was ruse-related. Uh, you can get $1.25 for those that like a uh, nice little safe bet. Uh, for Todd Goldstein to poll a vote, which I think he has in him at some stage in the year. Do you agree with that? Uh, did he poll one in his milestone game, or did he did he have a you know a solid game when you played the Giants or pinch that win? Maybe against, the against Hawks? West Coast because he kicked a match winner. Yeah, I yeah I'd be too short for my liking to take that on, Tom. Uh but stranger things have happened. Uh, look, there's so many markets, Tom. I don't, I don't know where you start with this. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel like I've just scratched the uh, the surface here. I mean, I don't mind this one. Uh, will there be a tie? Yes. And you can have $4 Four for bucks. that. Which I don't mind because, you know, we sort of talked up those names at the start. They're all going to be polling big numbers. I, I feel like we we might see a, a tie. We haven't seen one for for a long time. Have we seen one since uh, that 
what was it, Goodsy, Buckley and Rusciuto back in 03? Have we had one since then? Oh, I guess Trent Koch and Sam Mitchell, technically, uh, for those that want to believe that one is the uh, the result. I'm sure a lot of Don's fans don't. I guess that is technically the last one. Well, it's not even technical. It is the last one. Um, but it hasn't happened very often. So I think a tie might be might be due. Um, you reckon a tie's on the cards? Yep. So four, you're going to have four yeah, bucks for that. W- very close in 13 when Ablett beat Selwood by a vote. Uh Let's see. I'm just double-checking for you, Tom. Just making sure we're on the same page. I like it. Oh, danger. 35. Gee, that's a lot of votes. No, I reckon I reckon you're on the money, Tom. Yeah, so look, it, it is rare, but I mean, yeah, th- this is the kind of... I mean, it could happen any year, but I, I just think that's value at four bucks that you can get a bit of a tie. It's going to be tight at the top of that leaderboard. Yeah, oh, no doubt. No doubt there's... Some big names there, but in terms of standouts, very tough. Hey, 2005 Brownlow medal, Ben Cousins won with 20 votes. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see a count like that because that, <laughs> the lower it is, the, the tighter the, the leaderboard usually is because, you know, you can't stream away. So it... It, it makes it a little bit more interesting, but uh, yeah, I don't know, Tom. I'll, I'll be honest here. I'm not sure if I'm staying up that late on a Sunday night. Eight o'clock kickoff or something like that, and the way they run it um, made no sense not to do it on a Friday or Saturday. But uh, yeah, true. I mean, to, to last year's AFL. credit, they whipped through it. I think that was the quickest sort of counting I've seen. So uh, if that's the new standard, it might not be it. Well, it won't be a four-hour night. It might just be a three-hour night. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah, it. Um, I used to love it when I was a kid, getting up. You remember, oh, yeah, this happened, that happened. You sit there watching it. And uh, so I got older. I was like, yep, yep, cool, cool. We're just, we're diving into suspense to make sure this goes as long as we can until about 11.30 at night. <laughs> so um, that means you don't uh, subscribe to the, you know, first initial pause, you know, P, danger field, three votes. You know, you don't, uh, you don't rate that. Oh, I'm not too fussed about it, but it doesn't need to be done at 11.30 at night. Like you can get these counts over with a little bit quicker, and it's probably been worse because some of these winners, like Danger and Dusty and and Swanee, are thirty four, thirty six, thirty seven votes, and they've won with four rounds to go, and then we're just calling out votes for the sake of it. It, uh, yeah, it's it, between that and it just purely being a midfielders award has lost a little bit of the mystique for mine. Over the over recent years, still a great honour, but uh, it doesn't hold. It's let's let me put it this way: I don't look at it as like an MVP trophy in the NBA or the NFL or something like that, where that's the best player. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll uh, I'll be sure to keep this audio, and if Jai Simkin ever salutes as a Brownlow medalist, I'll just play you back this audio, uh, just as a reminder. But um, no, nah, look, I, I looked. I've been. Um, taking your point there I, I do I do agree I mean it is hard yeah mid, huge honor but probably could do with the tweak and and be a bit more of an all-rounder medal if it's going to get this stature uh, a, any last bets you want to um I was just having a look at the market Tom and there's a market for the next Carlton coach oh, so, so you've strayed out of Brownlow turf and found found something else that's got your interest I like it this might be the genuine I don't want to win this job but I'm going to take it because I'm going to be a senior coach style thing. Uh, Don Pike favourite, Al Clarkson, Brad Scott, 
Gian Syracuse, Michael Voss, Adam Kingsley, Mark Williams, Buckley, Jamie Graham, Bob Harvey, Adam Uze, Carousella, Cam Bruce, Dale Amos, Dale Tapping. Paul Ruse is listed, so he's starting to get to the real names. Yeah, where it's this is like, the real oh, This is sports bet. This is sports, sports bet trying to have some fun. Scotty Burns, who maybe. Andrew Walker. Didn't know he was involved in coaching. Yeah, I, he was involved in, uh, I think, some of the, the Aboriginal pathway stuff. Um, and so this is what's really ridiculous. And it, it also harks back to the first goal scorer. The, the, most, the biggest odds they can offer is 40 to 1 because there's a chance the information can leak and they don't want to be, they're legally not allowed to offer bigger odds. Same as first goal kicker. So these names are all 40 to 1. But Andy Lee, probably not. Jeez. Andy Marr, and we've got some Carlton legends. Kudafides, Favola, Judd, uh, Jared Waite. Justin Lepich is listed here despite the fact it's been announced he's, he's going to Collingwood as a st- strategy man. Uh, this this is the one that really... Oh, well, Sam Pang, that'd be interesting. Mark Murphy, I think he's going to get sacked before he'll be coach. Lance Whitnell. Um, there's a name here that... says Lance Whitnell on these odds. Yeah, 40 to 1. To the great man. Do you know who Torrin Baker is? No, nah, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I might just look that up. But the strangest name, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> uh, American Idol winning Kel- Kelly Clarkson. They are taking the you-know-whats with this market. I don't understand it. Um and don't, do not put your hard-earned on that. That is just a way for sports bet to take some cash. Um. <laughs> there probably will be some sucker out there that will want a piece of that for unknown reasons, and they'll make some money out of that. That is nuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's... We've got a mailbag, Tom. I think we need to sure straighten do. up a bit because that is as far off track as I can get. I never thought I'd talk about Kelly Clarkson on this podcast. We're just a wide range. And look, if you have your thoughts about the Carlton job or just the the hits of Kelly Clarkson uh, listeners out there, hit us up on our Instagram, social media, Facebook as yeah. well. Uh, you know. Right in. If you're up nursing a screaming baby in the middle of the night you need something to take your mind off it just just write in correct you're probably not driving your car anymore but yeah if you're up in the night i like it so send it in uh this one comes from uh well someone i know uh we'll call him hawker 2008 uh question for you guys to discuss on the show do the it's a simple one do the media need to harden up uh, they can criticise a coach, player or team, but when a coach speaks up and defends a player, media responds with, it's our job and has a crack back at the coach for overstepping the mark. Uh, for example, the Trelaw events of the last fortnight. So that's a good question. That's a good topical question. Um, the background, obviously, uh, Trelaw's final against the Lions, uh, probably not his best work. Uh, a few out there sinking the boots in for that. Uh, particularly on a lot of the footy shows that do the rounds. Uh, Bevo, not to, basically, it wasn't that right after the siren, but couldn't have been close to the siren finishing and him celebrating with his players as he walked off the oval, gave a clip back, uh, calling it sort of nasty and uh, and whatnot about uh, what was said. So, yeah, it was a bit of a to and fro, and now, yeah, the media's got its back up. So do you think the media need to harden up, Seb? Oh, always. Um they're a bunch of soft, you know what's. Um, so who sent this in? Hawker seventy-seven. Yeah, I'm not sure they want seventy-seven, maybe seventy-eight, but 
Yeah, uh, Hawker 2008. Oh, Hawker 2008. Thank you. I really appreciate this question coming in. Uh, Yeah, look, half of what the media's job right now is reporting on what the rest of the media says. It's like, you know, Kane Corn said this on the on Monday night footy classified so we can talk about that all day Tuesday and then footy classified Wednesday we'll talk about what was said on Tuesday about footy classified on Monday that, that's half the media cycle they're not talking about issues they're not talking about players they're drumming stuff up to, to make other people talk about them so yes because we have a go at Trelaw and then they can um, you know Bevo's going to buy it back Oh, you pick a, any player on that bulldog list. You could pick someone who genuinely wets the bed, and he will fire back. He's a player's coach. Absolutely. So you you just you get someone in. I'll go. You know, go and go and have a go at Trelaw. Like you know, he'll Bevo will fire up. We'll get something back, and we'll, we'll get a good sound bite. So they do that, and then oh, then we can fire back and all this other stuff. It is like Kane Corns was the first one to put on the agenda. He won't back down. So he sort of said, no, I stand by my comments. I was right in saying at the time, it doesn't mean he was going to have a poor game this week. I think I think where the media lose it is they criticise them and then coach fires back, player bounces back this week and then we go, we back right off. You can fluctuate from week to week. So you can play a bad game, deserve your criticism, play a good game, deserve your praise. Doesn't mean the criticism wasn't warranted and the praise isn't warranted. Uh, we just have we live in the now, 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 the me, me, me culture, and it's all about what have you done for me lately. So we tend to forget what happened two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess how's this, Tom? Everyone's praising the demons. I'm still in the mindset of they haven't won yet, so I'm not giving them any credit. Whereas everyone wants to anoint them. Oh, look, I, I, what if they lose this week? What if they lose this week? <laughs> you are hoping that happens, but um, no, I don't know that. But yeah, it, it could. It, that's that's the thing that I, I don't like seeing it. I mean, I could throw names out there: John O'Ralph, Caroline Wilson, Mark Robinson. They all do it. They all get their yeah. They all get their back up though. Any time the media is criticised, I think it what gets me is that yeah, that sense that they're untouchable. They can say and print and do whatever they want, but. Yeah, they're not held accountable in any way. So it's it's not fair when you, you think of, geez, how much coaches and players cop um, that there is, it's not a two-way street. That that just doesn't compute. So, um, yeah. I, I think some of the coaches sometimes struggle to differentiate between like criticism of the player and criticism of performance because you critique the performance and what the players do. You, you're not actually... So calling that player soft and weak and everything else. You're just saying, look, in this moment or in this game, that performance was not good enough or not up to their standard. Whereas it gets turned from that into more personal stuff with some of the coaches and then they bite back and it becomes personal when the reality is most of the media is not like that. Some of them are, but most are not. Yeah, so look, I hope we've answered your, your question there. That that was a, a ripper. I guess to summarise, yes, they do need to harden up. Um, you know, we're, we're in media, said we're included in that. Hopefully, uh, we're what the listeners want. But if you have any feedback, we love these mailbags, so please uh, send them through. Um, that's it for uh, for another great show, Seb. Do you have any any last thoughts in this in this bye week? Got got something uh, planned to 
I guess, given your thoughts on the Brownlow, get get through the weekend before we get to the the big dance, as you call it. Oh yeah, I'll be I'll be looking at things in depth, analysing, working out every which way the game's going to go, and I'll be able to explain to you next week how the dogs are going to get the job done. <laughs> a lot of D's fans that'll want to hear that. A lot of dogs fans that'll want to hear that. A lot of neutrals. I'm interested to hear where they're sort of sitting. I mean, I guess Melbourne had all the support given the drought, but you know the hardened journeyman dogs have got their own story too so yeah let us know your thoughts let us know who you're supporting we'll analyze the game we can't wait for that we'll also anoint the next brownlow medalist and probably claim that we said he'd win on this show uh it's going to be a great weekend and it's going to build to the great weekend of our season uh, and we'll see you on 12 rows back give us a like give us a shout out share it with a friend and we'll catch you then we'll fourth